Well, the number of women and children migrating from the Horn of Africa uh, to Gulf countries through Yemen has significantly increased and is a source for uh, concern, according to the head of the International Organization for Migration, the IOM, an agency of the UN. Now, for more on the increased number of migrants in Africa, we are joined by Sharon Ikamberum, the head of migrants' rights at Lawyers for Human Rights in Johannesburg. Good evening, Sharon. Hi, how are you? And thank you for joining us, Sharon. Based on recent findings and figures, I mean, what are the approximations and numbers of migrants coming out of especially East Africa and heading uh, on that particular route, Yemen and into the Gulf states? Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to give you exact figures for that. Um, I can tell you about the numbers of people that have come into South Africa, but clearly the the conflict in Yemen, the situation in, in countries like Ethiopia, the DRC, uh, is, is continuing to uh, result in people fleeing because of, uh, you know, threats to their life. But I think the uh, the the bigger uh, not the bigger problem, but what is also compounding the situation of forcibly displaced people is the impact of the climate crisis. And uh, Sub-Saharan Africa is um, disproportionately affected by the climate crisis, and there is uh, a lot of research to show that it's. Uh, like the kind of uh, rains that we're experiencing, the excessive flooding, and then the extremes of drought, which uh, means that people cannot, um, you know, um, plant and live off the land and are forced to move. And unfortunately, there is no recognition of refugee protection or fleeing because of unlivable conditions created by the climate crisis. Hmm. You know, Sharon, um, when the migrants, uh, economic migrants or, or those fleeing political instability um, arrive to, to South Africa or, or other uh, you know, parts of Africa which, which tend to be a destination, uh, from your observation, I mean, do they intend to settle for a while in South Africa or as some may have observed that European countries and, and other countries that have got more stable economies seem to be the ultimate or the end destination for migrants? for many of them. What, what is your observation with regards to once a migrant arrives, what is the, uh, you know, the, the main, of course, objective would be a personal security, but do they have some sort of a end wherein you would find that same migrant attempting to seek asylum in, in a European country? Look, I, I want to just uh, take it back a bit. I think that what we are experiencing over uh, a couple of decades, right? If you if you go back to the 1951 convention and when it was written, in that period, even the OAU convention, uh, speaking to the the protection of people fleeing conflict, the the duration of conflict was uh, from a fixed time period, and so the the protection uh, regime took into account that there would be a start and an end point and people would go back to their countries once the conflict has been resolved, given the nature of the conflict during that period. But what we have witnessed over the last few decades is that the, the, the conflict is, uh, is ongoing. So it, it, it might uh, you know, just dip a bit, but then it, it re-emerges. And this is particularly the case for countries like 
um, um, Somalia, countries like the DRC, Congo, which uh, has a, is sending a large number of people into refugee protection. So they may, th- their fear of going back is that the, the conflict will arise again and they, their lives will be a threat either because of families being involved in, in, in um, challenging or, you know, on opposite sides of the conflict. So I think that that's an important factor to consider in terms of what the UNHCR and the UN bodies are calling for more durable solutions to uh, people having to move because of the long extended periods that they're having to stay outside of their homes and, and their home countries. But to answer your question, I think that I can speak specifically to the South African context. And what we are seeing is that while for a period, our refugee uh, regime, was, the, the act was promulgated in 1998. So there was a long period of still using the Aliens Act and the apartheid policies, which did not really embrace receiving black African people into our country because of our past. And, and so that period of the, the, from 1998, the, the onset of xenophobic violence in our country has resulted in people when they come here because of what they're subjected to and actually having again uh, been traumatized, re-traumatized, you know, on top of what they've experienced from the countries that they're fleeing from, they come to our country and are um, uh, 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 experience xenophobic violence here as well. Um, and, and not just one time, but many times in the period, even if we just go back to 2008, um, so and, and, and people are now leaving our country because their lives are no longer safe in our country and are taking very dangerous routes, risking their lives once again and, and often, you know, having to resort to paying bribes or smuggling out of uh, different countries to go to uh, whether it's South America and then make their way up to America or to, to go to Europe, as you say, and, and we know that globally the the climate is very, very hostile to movement of people, irrespective of their very legitimate claims for refugee protection in, in the current context of, of global con- conflict. Hmm. You know, uh, Sharon, you also might have, you know, from, from a South African context, um, come across migrants who may be legally allowed to work in the, in the country, uh, but have been subject to mistreatment, uh, either because of uh, their status and, and people, of course, taking advantage of them because they, they, they themselves are unsure of their legal standing in, in the country itself. What type of um, avenues are available for a migrant? I mean, does a migrant report a crime against them directly at a police station if there is a, uh, a, a suspicion of, of victimization because they are migrant? What are the relevant um, offices and authorities that they you know, report to? Um, that is, is a very difficult question to answer. Uh, our experience uh, working, whether it's Kopenang Africa against xenophobia, whether it's lawyers for human rights, whether it's uh, you know, various NGOs and, and, and civil society bodies that are, uh, uh, you know, championing the Constitution and our Bill of Rights and, 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 and looking at how can we strengthen our democracy. Our experience is that the, the 
the situation has is getting progressively worse, um, where migrants are assumed to be uh, criminals. There's scapegoating, and the police themselves are using increasingly using methods and and approaches uh, that are very very um, uh, similar if not exactly the same as was experienced under the apartheid regime against black people, whether it's the Group Areas Act and how people were hunted down for their dom pass to prove that they're in a space legally, which was meant to be for only white people, or like you're questioning about work <coughs> and, and work permits. And and so the, the, the possibility of surviving through just working in the informal sector has become almost impossible. And, and you know, we experienced this during the COVID lockdown where we ran a hotline for because of the stringent regulations and we saw that people's human rights were being trampled and there was no recourse under those conditions. So we set up a, a, a hotline with, in, in collaboration with a number of other NGOs and we, we saw that initially there were thousands of calls where, where predominantly foreign nationals. So the call, the call center was for all, anyone who was vulnerable and needed whatever form of legal aid or, or was, you know, needed some kind of help. And thousands of um, uh, migrants called because they were locked in their homes. They couldn't go out and, and do whatever they engage with on a daily basis to earn some money. And, and so we're starving. And I think that that's, you know, the, 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 that was COVID. But what we're seeing ongoing is uh, 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 JMPD, the police, uh, it, behaving in a very heavy-handed manner against anyone who is suspected to be a migrant. So we're, we're seeing increasing numbers of South Africans who would look like a foreign national. And how would you look like a foreign national if your skin is a bit too dark? then you are suspected of being a, a foreign national and you're being asked for your papers or you're being asked what is the a word for, for elbow in a particular language. And, and if you don't know this, then clearly you're not a South African. And so, you know, you must be arrested because you're here illegally. And, and a lot of unlawful practice by police. And, 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 uh, and so people are not going to go to the police station to report a crime or to, to uh, you know, report when they're being attacked violently because you're going to be meted out by more uh, discrimination and, and, and uh, violence by, by the police and law enforcement in our country. Sharon Ikambarum, thank you so much for joining us on Radio Islam uh, International with that important discussion and indeed a, a loaded and a necessary one. And uh, thank you for your time. Good evening to you. Thank you very much. Well, that was uh, immigrant and uh, migration discussions and the, the plight faced by millions of immigrants, uh, you know, across the, uh, across the world. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll be following and continuing that discussion uh, later on. Time for us to conclude uh, our discussion this evening on this Monday. Till we meet again, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.